Miracy. And then one day we happened to be going to a funeral of a close friend of both of ours. And I was sitting next to this guy and I was crying. And he turned to me and he said, oh my God, you are human. Mm-hmm. And I just went, oh, wow. What connection have I missed with this client of mine? Because I was too afraid to show vulnerability, to show emotions. Hello, I'm Melinda Cohen, and you're listening to Just Between Coaches. I run a business called The Coaches Console, and we've helped over 50,000 entrepreneurs in creating their own profitable coaching businesses. In this podcast, I dive into difficult coaching conversations together with other coaches. You may know by now that I love to take a deeper look into difficult issues and situations that we might be having with our clients, but also into challenges we have to work with ourselves as coaches. My guest today is a business coach and has a fascinating life story. I've invited Renee Blasky. She's lived such an adventurous life. She's moved to Hong Kong at the age of 14, which started her 37 years abroad. She spent 10 years in Asia and 27 years in Africa. She's traveled to 44 countries. She's lived on board a 45-foot sailboat on which she sailed from Singapore to Kenya over a two-year period. She's climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. She has scuba dived with sharks. She's flown with a hot air balloon over the Masimara and jumped out of an airplane at 12,000 feet. It's safe to say that Renee knows a thing or two about vulnerability and stepping into the unknown. Through her business, The Leap Network, which stands for Lead, Empower, Aspire, and Promote, Renee helps her clients get results without the overwhelm and to recognize when they are getting in their own way as a result of their limiting beliefs and negative emotions. She's gone through one of our programs at Coaches Console and also works as an ACES coach at Miracy. Welcome, Renee. Thanks so much, Melinda. It's great to be here. Renee, I am so happy to have you here. You and I worked together when you Gosh, when you first started your coaching business and you're a graduate of one of our programs at Coaches Console. But before we dive into today's topic of vulnerability, would you share a little bit of your background? I mean, I know I kind of gave an overall view of it in the intro, but I know you face a dangerous situation with your sailboat. Is that right? Yeah, that's true. That was quite a story. We started out in Singapore and then we went up the coast of Malaysia and then we went into Thailand. We spent a year doing that. Then we sailed over to Sri Lanka, spent about a month there. And then we went into the middle of the Indian Ocean to a group of islands called Chagos. But the real adventure started when we left Chagos to go to the African continent. Now, consider that we had been living on our boat within an archipelago of islands that the highest thing was a coconut tree. And so when we left that atoll to go to where we thought we were going to go to Madagascar, but what we didn't realize is that a storm had really been brewing all the way from Australia, and there was nothing between Australia and where we were except for a few tiny little islands. So there was a huge set of storms coming in, and that caused just tremendous, tremendous waves. 
and the waves were getting like 50 feet, 60 feet high. And so what actually happened is that over the nighttime, I was on watch. My ex-husband was down below trying to get some sleep. And all of a sudden, I am on the steering and I'm noticing that it's getting harder and harder to steer. And so I go into the manual thing and take a two-hour watch. And then the morning, the sun was starting to come up just as I was ending my watch. And I kind of, I don't know if it was a mistake or not, but I looked over my right shoulder and I will never forget this image in my head because I looked over my right, right shoulder and I just saw this wall of water. And I kept looking up and up and up and up and trying to think of, oh my God, when is this wall of water going to end? And all of a sudden I see the way top of the wave and it's well over our mast. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm going to die. And then I realized, wait, Renee, start thinking about what your mother taught you when you were a young child is think, don't panic. And so that kind of calmed me. And then I realized that I had actually been facing these types of seas already for two hours and that I could actually handle what that wave was going to bring to us. And so it just kind of hit me in the face is like, we can handle a lot more than we actually realize when we're forced to. So that was a really amazing experience because it really taught me that I can take more risk than I think. Okay. I'm not sure how to dissect all of that besides the fact that I have goosebumps when I hear you tell that story and that he tried to sleep through 50 foot waves. Like, how is that even possible? But I love yeah. the think, don't panic. I can handle this. And you know, we can risk more than we think. And that really is kind of at the core of our topic today, because that's our conversation, right? It's about vulnerability right. and right. how real transformation only happens when we get in contact with, it. I can imagine, like I see how tall that wave is, right? Like talking about right. getting in contact with it. But first, like, let's define what vulnerability is. What is your definition? My definition of vulnerability is really being open and receptive to taking on risk, taking on new things that get you outside of your comfort zone, knowing that things may not always go right. Things may invite criticism. They may invite a lot of people negating what you think. And you're really just opening yourself up to not only your own negative thoughts, but everybody else's negative thoughts too. Okay, that is important right there because we can be our own worst enemy sometimes. So it's not just the risk of what others may say or do or how they may act towards us, but how we might speak to ourselves or what we might say to ourselves or the way we might behave. So I love that you included our own perception, our own self-talk as well as others. Now, a common myth about vulnerability is that it equals weakness, right? And like the number one word that I hear from coaches, especially like, right, we work with coaches and new entrepreneurs as they're just getting started, they'll say things like, Melinda, I just want to appear professional, right? And so they don't want to appear weak because they want to be professional. Like, why do we think that that vulnerability equals weakness? Oh boy, can I relate to this? For me, that idea was implanted in my head from a young age. I'm the youngest of three and I had two older brothers. So as you can imagine, they like to bully and do the boy thing against the girl. And my mother said to me one day, 
you do know that they're just trying to push your buttons and trigger you into reacting. And if you don't do anything, you're going to let them know that they can't touch you. And that kind of built it in my head that you've got to be stoic, you've got to be strong, you can't show emotion, otherwise you'll be considered weak and you will be bullied. And I even carried that into my first career in the financial services sector. I was an equity analyst and then ran my own corporate finance consulting company for 20 years. And I will never forget this experience either because I was consulting for a financial services company and this was when I was in Kenya. And I was having a meeting with the CEO and he said to me at one point in the meeting, he said, Renee, I can never read you. I have no idea whether you agree with me, whether you disagree with me or what you're even thinking. You have such an amazing poker face. And I was thinking to myself, yes, I got this. I'm so (laughs) professional. I'm not going to show any weakness. He doesn't have any idea that I don't know how to respond to him. And I thought that was the best thing about what I was doing. And then one day we happened to be going to a funeral of a close friend of both of ours. And I was sitting next to this guy and I was crying. And he turned to me and he said, oh my God, you are human. And I just Mm -hmm. went, oh, wow. What connection have I missed with this client of mine? Because I was too afraid to show vulnerability, to show emotions. And so that really sent a strong message to me about we have to be open to be able to make a true connection. Mm -hmm. But I do have to say that where I really learned about vulnerability is working with you. I will never forget the first time I had met you in person. No, it was the second time. And we were in a room with predominantly women and people were coming up and sharing their stories. And there were a lot of tears and there were a lot of hugs and a lot of high fives. And I was just sitting back observing being the introverted person that I am and just thinking, wow, this is pretty powerful. And these people are so willing to show all of their emotions, and I can see the growth that they're getting as a result of it. And that was kind of a second really strong message to me that, you know, you got to get out of your comfort zone. You got to be vulnerable in order to really grow and learn. Yeah, it's about the connection and the growing that creates space for that transformation, not only for ourselves, but for the people that we serve and our clients and those around us. And I mean, you know my story and for the listeners, they've heard it on some of the other episodes, but for the longest time, Perfect Portia was my right-hand gal (laughs) and the villain of choice that showed up all the time. And I thought, if it's not perfect, I can't put it out there. I Like I had to be perfect. That was my story of what professionalism meant. I didn't think anybody would be willing to invest in me or hire me or sign up for my programs or whatever I was offering if it wasn't quote unquote perfect. And I quickly realized I had a very similar experience that you did. I made a mistake, which I thought the earth was going to just swallow me up when I made a mistake in one of our workshops that we were doing. Mm-hmm. And it happened. And I truly thought, it, like, I can still feel the panic in me right now. I thought it was the end of the world. And somebody said, Oh my God, you're human. Well, if you can do this and make a mistake, I can do it too. And I was like, Whoa, 
wait a minute here. Exactly. And that was my big aha. And that was the moment when I learned that vulnerability is actually our greatest superpower. Like from that moment on, I always envision Wonder Woman. She doesn't actually wear a red cape, but I always envision her wearing a red cape. And that red cape is the cape of vulnerability, right? Because it's really about our courage to show up, to do the best we can with what we have from where we are, to model for others. And it's really all about creating a safe space and giving permission. I find that that's really when we have the courage to do that for ourselves in the presence of others, others open up. And then, like you said, the growth and the transformation and the connection just off the charts. Exactly. That connection that you get when you allow yourself to be vulnerable and people then realize that, yeah, it's okay not to be okay. And it's actually courageous to show that. And then to, to allow others to give you support is also just an amazing feeling because then you know that you're not alone. And that you do have the support and you do have the strength to carry on when you fall down and you get back up and you fall down and you get back up again. And again, I remember you talking about it's okay to be a hot mess. Yeah. And that's why, you know, for us coaches, that's why vulnerability is so relevant. Can you speak more about that? Why vulnerability is so important for us coaches to use in our business and with our clients? Sure. You kind of referenced this earlier, though, that when we are able to make that connection with others, we create a safe space. So by being vulnerable, you show and you model to your clientele that you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to be perfect. You can have down days. You can feel really sad, and that's okay. And just really making that true connection because you look at that experience that I had with my consulting clients, it was a cold relationship because he couldn't relate to me because I wasn't allowing him to. And I'm just wondering how much more value I could have given him if I had been more open with what I was feeling, if he could have read my face. So I know that there's been times with my coaching clients where I have shared personal stories similar to what they are going through, and it shows the vulnerability. And But because of that, they can relate to me better. I can relate to them better. And the relationship is just so much stronger. And as a result, you get better results for them, or they get better results, I should say, for themselves. I love it. I know one of the things that I do with my clients, if I sense their hesitation, And I'm kind of picking up on there's, you know, there's more going on here. There's more to share, but they may not be ready to share. One of the coaching questions that I'll often ask, and there's this magic word that when I use this, it seems to transform a lot of things, but I'll ask them, what would it look like if, I'm not saying that you will, but if you let yourself be vulnerable in this situation, what would that sound like? How would you show up? And that magic word, if. It's the most interesting thing in a coaching question. It's like, well, you don't have to actually do it. You can just kind of pretend and step into it, but then you can decide if you don't want to keep doing that. And it's just an interesting permission giving thing. It's like, well, if I were to do that, and then it just kind of opens up the possibility and the conversation and the dialogue. Yeah, I love that. Because yeah, it's allowing them to feel safe 
but yet at the same time start to explore what would it look like if I start sharing this? What's going to happen? I have to say, though, that sometimes I take a little bit more direct approach and I will ask them the question, particularly if I've been in the coaching relationship with them for a, a bit of time. So they've come to know me. I've known them a little bit better. So I'll actually ask them the question. I'm sensing there's some fear here. What is it that you're afraid of? And then I pause and I wait. And some of them will say, oh my gosh, I'm so afraid of this. And they'll respond immediately. And then that opens up the conversation as to what they're really afraid of. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're just like, oh, I'm not afraid of anything. And then I'll then say, is that really true? We're all afraid of something. So then perhaps at that time, I'll relate a story of a time when I was afraid of doing something that they're doing, trying to do similarly now and get them to start seeing that it's okay to be afraid. It's okay that you don't know what the outcome is going to be. And then I get really curious, what would that outcome look like? So kind of getting roundabout, a little bit more direct in the front, and then doing the back end, getting that curiosity into play. And that really is, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. Get curious. That's the greatest thing that we can do to help our clients explore the edges of their vulnerability. And the more we're curious, I think the more they get curious as well. And it's just a really interesting dynamic between coach and client at that point. Now, Renee, I know that you're also a certified trainer in Susan Jeffers' work, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. Yes. And as such, you work with three different levels of fear, right? Like This kind of goes in hand with what you were just talking about. Can you share what those three different levels of fear are and how does that relate to vulnerability? Sure. The first level of fear is really that you're afraid of an event or an occurrence happening. Like maybe you're afraid of that you won't get the clients or maybe you're afraid that a client will disappear or that you won't be able to pay your bills or something like that. So that's the first level of fear. It's very event-driven something that is happening or is about to happen. And that's the first level. The second level of fear is really relating back to your ego. Oh my God, what if I fail? What will people think of me? That's where that judgment and that critic comes into play, where everybody will think that I'm a failure, or I will think that I'm a failure, and I'm not good enough, and all of those negative, negative feelings. So that's the second level of fear. But finally, the third level of fear, and all our fear is really driven by, I don't think I can handle it. And when I can't handle it, I'm going to break down. So that's really when you start looking at how can you handle it? I mean, just like when I was facing that wall of that water, that powerful wave of a 50-foot wave coming at me. I thought immediately that I wouldn't be able to handle it. And it was only until I realized that, I wait a minute, I've already been handling it. So when we start getting really fearful, we're thinking about something in the past or we're thinking about something in the future. And something fearful in the future is kind of triggers something that may have happened in the past. Like, well, I've faced this before and this has happened and it was all bad. So it's going to happen again. And you start building this negative ladder that just keeps going up and up and up in terms of fearfulness. But when you start examining it and think about when you've done something that didn't work out the way you wanted to, 
when you start getting curious and say, hey, yeah, that didn't work out the way I wanted to, but what did I learn from it? And because of that experience, I'm so much stronger now. So now I know I can handle it. And I loved being able to frame it that way because it's really powerful. When you have the mantra or the statement in your head all the time that I can handle anything, it really is true. You just have to keep reminding yourself that. And I can see how it'd be awesome to ask your client, like I imagine you share your sailboat story with the gigantic wall of water. And then to ask them, when was there a story in your life where you didn't think you could handle it? Because, you know, stories are so powerful. And then they can have that to go back to. And as a coach, you can remind them, you know, maybe two, three, five, ten 10 sessions from now, hey, remember that story you said about such and such? And you can remind them that they can handle it. So I think that's a powerful way that we can work with our clients is helping them locate those stories. Yeah. There's another exercise I have them go through. And this is something that I learned going through the Positive Intelligence Program is that take your life and break it up into five different periods of time. So no matter what your age is, divide it by five. And so if you're 50 years old, you're going to do it in increments of 10. So what were the events that you were from one to 10? What happened in that that you remember good and bad? And what lesson did you learn from that? And then go into the next section, 11 to 20. What were the events that occurred in your life during that period? And what made you stronger? What were you fearful for? And you lived through to tell the tale. And then you keep going through that to your present age. And you begin to realize that you are who you are today because of all of those amazing lessons and experiences that you went through before. And you build this inner strength and this inner confidence, knowing that it's going to be okay and you can handle it. Okay, I love that exercise. I'm actually going to go do it after this podcast episode. Like you said at the beginning, we can risk more than we think. We can handle this. Exactly. Now let's dive a little deeper. Can you see situations or scenarios where you as a coach can be too vulnerable in the coaching relationship? And like, what way would that be? Yeah, this has happened to me a couple of times when I've had a client who is just really at wit's end and very emotional and crying and sobbing. That triggers me to do the same. Not that I get into the sobbing, but I will cry right along with them. And while, yes, that does show some empathy, Sometimes I get too involved in the situation and I have to force myself to pull back and say, hey, I need to be strong for them so that I can figure out what it is that they need and how I can support them. So I just have to try and not go into my old poker face, Mm -hmm. have that ability to show empathy, but yet still be able to show up for them to be able to support them and give them the level of assistance and compassion that they need, but at the same time, help them chart a way forward. Yeah. Now, I know that you're also big on Chloe Madonna's work about the six human needs. Could you tell us about those needs and how that relates to vulnerability in business? Sure. So she built a system called the six basic human needs, and those are certainty, uncertainty, love and connection, significance, growth, and contribution. Now, 
When you learn what your basic human needs are, and everybody has two top priorities, and she's developed this quiz that you can take to determine what your two highest priorities are of your basic need. Once you know that, then you can try to figure out why it is that you do what you do. And I've got a story around this, if you don't mind me sharing. Of course, go ahead. I had a client who was really struggling with her import-export business, and she was really not happy with the business. It wasn't doing as well as she expected it to, and she was just a very miserable person. And she was yelling and screaming at her kids, at her husband, and life at home just was not happy either. So... She hired me to help her get results without overwhelm. And the first thing I did was, let's see what your basic human needs are. What are your top two? Well, her first priority, the highest priority of her basic need was significance. She wanted to have respect. She wanted to be able to have an impact and really create herself as an authority figure. Well, two things occurred to me when this happened is that when you're running an import-export business, there's not a lot of human interaction. It's just more transactions, day-to-day selling items. You're not dealing with people and making transformations with them. So that seemed to be a disconnect with her business and her human need. The other thing that was happening with the yelling and screaming is she was getting that human need by yelling and screaming. Yes, people were paying attention to her, but in a very negative manner. So there's negative aspects to these needs and there's positive aspects. So the positive aspect for significance would be that people respect you, they look up to you, they come to you for advice, they are always looking, what are you doing? The negative is the yelling, the screaming, the shutting down, the temper tantrums and all of that. So we went through this exercise. And I explained to her the negative aspect of why she was doing what she did. It really just kind of put the light bulb on in her head. And then I started giving her some exercises as to how she can calm herself down before she starts yelling and screaming and then turn it around such that she gets the attention from her kids that she needs in a positive way by loving them, by telling them that she loves them and that she can help them with the problem that they're having and helping them calm down as well, because we all know that screaming and yelling leads to more screaming and yelling. And so just to disrupt the pattern of the negative behavior that is fulfilling a basic human need. So it's a really interesting process, and I have found it very useful to do. So all my private clients I bring through this exercise of what are your top two human needs and how are they reflected in your business? Mm-hmm. It's a cool part of being coaches. We never truly know the reaches of our ripple effect and the impact that it has on so many layers. Now, as coaches, how can we practice vulnerability? I kind of see it as like a muscle that we have to exercise, right? So how can we practice vulnerability? That's a great question. How I practice vulnerability is to really just try to recognize the emotions that I'm feeling at any time and just take space to honor those, to get rid of the poker face, face them head on 
And just again, get really curious as to why am I feeling this way? Is it that I'm afraid of something? Or is it something from my past that this brings up bad memories? And what am I going to do about it? How do I fix it for myself? And if I don't feel that it's time to fix it, I need to stew a little bit more. That's okay too. The other thing is reach out to other people when you need help. It's okay to ask for help. It's not a weakness. It's actually a really huge strength. And Melinda, you helped me learn this lesson. It's just ask for help. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's certainly hard to practice our own vulnerability isolated and alone. And it's why I say time and time again, you've heard me say it, our listeners have heard me say it. I always say that coaches need coaches. We need coaching. We need community. We have to have our confidants, those trusted people, like-minded, like-spirited people that we can go to and we can allow them to be vulnerable with us and witness that and allow ourselves to be vulnerable in their presence. And when we can do that in safe communities and within our own coaching relationship with our coach, I think it strengthens that so that we can take it out into our families and with our clients in whatever projects we're involved in in the world. Renee, do you have any additional advice to help newer coaches get better as a coach when it comes to vulnerability? I would just say take a really deep look at yourself as to why it is that you're perhaps afraid to be vulnerable. Is it like me where I was raised to not show weakness, not show your emotions um, because you're going to get picked on by your older brothers? Or is it something that you feel that you have to have this stoic professional face and you have to be perfect? Be really curious as to why you don't show vulnerability. And that's when I really started examining it. And then again, talk to other people about what are the benefits of being vulnerable and always, always talk to your coach about it. Now, this is one of my favorite topics, vulnerability, and we have covered a lot. So I just want to summarize a few of the things that we've talked about today. First of all, what I think you said it was your mom who taught you, think, don't panic. New mantra, love that one. I'm borrowing it from this point forward. And also just from your story, I can handle this. We can risk more than we think we're able to. And just remembering that about ourselves. And I love how you defined vulnerability, just being open and receptive to take on a risk, knowing that it may not go right or may not go well, but you're willing to do it anyway. And that you're willing to risk your own self-talk as well as what others might say or do in response to how you put yourself out there. And, you know, I talked about how I see it as a superpower, right? It's like our red cape and it's really our courage and modeling for others and how we create a safe space that really is just about safety and trust for our clients. And in that, I love how you coined it the ultimate outcome of our ability to be vulnerable and willingness to be vulnerable is the growth and the connection that we make with and help our clients get in the ultimate transformation that they're gonna experience. And for those coaches that are out there, ways that you can explore your vulnerability with your clients is set the parameters of that conversation like Renee was sharing with us. Remind them that this is a safe and confidential space. And using those coaching questions like, if you were vulnerable, what would that look like? Or Renee's more direct approach. What are you afraid of? I'm sensing fear. And then ultimately bottom line is to get curious. 
that curiosity is what begins to get at the edges of not only our vulnerability, but also for our clients. Renee, do you have any parting words that you want to share with our listeners? Just remember that life is a journey. Enjoy it. Go out and push yourself and you will find that when you reach the edge of uncomfortable, you know that you're in the right path and just take one further step ahead. You know, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable is like building a muscle. You don't go to the gym and expect to lift 500 pounds. You start with one. So again, with trying to be gaining strength through having vulnerability and getting into your uncomfortable zone, take one step in, take another, and then another, and then another. And before you know it, you're well into your uncomfortable zone and having great growth. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Just Between Coaches. And also a big thank you to Renee Blasky for this great conversation about vulnerability. You can find out more about her at www.reneeblasky.com. That's R-E-N-E-E-B-L-A-S-K-Y.com. Renee, thank you so much for coming to the show. Thanks so much for having Melinda. It's been my pleasure and a great fun. I'm Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. Just Between Coaches is part of the Mirror CFM podcast network, which also includes Making It and Once Upon a Business. This episode was produced by Cynthia Lamb. I wrote this episode with Mishi Lance. She assembled the episode. Danny Eney is our executive producer, and post-production was by Post Office Sound. To keep listening to future episodes, please follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you like the show, please leave us a starred review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to more people.